you have a Bible nearby, let's turn together uh, to Luke chapter 1. As Chris and Melissa shared earlier, the, the theme of this week is peace. And uh, Chris must have hacked my notes at the, while at the office, uh, covering a lot of the same ground. And so when, when I say the word peace, we tend to think of you know, a certain set of things. And as Chris said, it's not, the, it's not the absence of conflict. That's not biblical peace. Biblical peace, that shalom, that, uh, that beautiful, rich Hebrew word, is, is we can think of it in two senses. In one sense, uh, if something is whole and complete, there is shalom within that thing. So if, you're, uh, if you had uh, 100 sheep and you were to count them uh, before bringing them in at night and you had 100, you were 100, they're all accounted for, then there would be shalom in the flock. Um, if you are, uh, if if your body is is working correctly, everything's working as it should, and you are healthy, then there's shalom in your body. Okay. Um, in another sense, uh, shalom is about something that uh, needs to be restored to that state of wholeness. Okay. So if you go to count the sheep, and you're supposed to have a hundred, and there's only ninety nine, like Jesus talks about, uh, you leave the ninety nine, you go find the one. You bring it back in, and you have re, you have taken something from being fractured uh, and brought it back into a state of shalom. You have you have uh, you have healed what was uh, broken. If your body is not working correctly and you are sick, uh, and you begin to take medicine and you drink a lot of vitamin C that kind of stuff, and your antibodies kick in and you get better, you have gone from shalom to uh, not shalom, and then you have restored the shalom within your body. So it's either something that is whole and has never been incomplete, or it was incomplete and it has been restored to that wholeness again. Um, most of the shalom that we're talking about in this sense, and especially for this morning, is that second kind. It's looking at something that was broken and it needing to be repaired and restored to its wholeness. Um, sin has broken every part of our uh, of every part of our world um, us and, and everything around it and so um, when we think about things that need to have the Shalom restored we can think uh, holistically through our lives uh, we um, you can think spiritually we have rebelled against the Lord there's uh, there is no Shalom between man and God uh, Mentally, our, our thinking, we're darkened in our understanding. Uh, emotionally, we have these highs and lows that are so difficult to regulate and our emotions like push us around and they carry too much weight most of the time. Uh, physically, we get sick. We have uh, viruses. We, uh, we, we get into an accident and break our arm, like those kind of things. And there is physical death when life like leaves your physical body. Um, relationally, we, there is like a lack of shalom in, in our view of self, in our view of other people, how we treat ourselves, how we treat one another in certain situations. We look at our world around us, and uh, there's tons of interpersonal brokenness uh, because the shalom has been fractured. Uh, that spills into the social realm where that's where war comes from. That's where racism comes from. That's where the objectification of other people uh, for, to our own end comes from. That's where uh, all of these things, that's where they originate. And even the, the natural world. You know, 
We've all been watching the devastation in Kentucky uh, and those surrounding states from the tornadoes that went through. Um, you know, and some people are asking, "Are we going to do something?" And we're we're working on working on that. But but we have to recognize that when we see those things, tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes and and all these like natural things, even forest fires, it's supposed to remind us that the natural world is also broken. That the ground that we walk on is under the same curse. You know? One way to think of shalom, when we look at those things that are all broken, is to think of them as being as, as a woundedness that has come. Especially the physical part of that and, and the relational part. That there's there are wounds that come up. The way that people speak to us, the way that people act in uh, handle certain situations. There are um, between us. There are these like these wounds that happen. That's like the best way for me to describe it. Ways that we are hurt by other people. There are ways that we hurt other people. The things that we say and things that we do and how we handle different situations. And so we are we are wounded and we are causing other wounds. And it just continues and continues and continues. Um, and that needs to be. Treated like any wound needs to be healed. And this morning, that's the that's the commonality between the first coming and the second coming for today is healing. I'm trying to go through each week and show things that the first arrival of Jesus and the second arrival of Jesus have in common. Um, today, I want to talk about healing being a part of the first coming in Bethlehem and also being part of the second coming that is in the future. And how healing is a theme of the Bible that we have to tie to the gospel in our understanding of, of, of exactly like what, when, when we say that Jesus came to rescue us, we tend to think of that in a like salvation sense primarily. Of yeah, he came, uh, it, he came to make sure that when I die, I go to heaven. That the gospel can become strictly about that one thing. What happens when you die? Where do you go when you die? In the last like hundred years, that's been such a huge emphasis uh, in our in like in the, especially the American church because that is a like very effective sermon, right? Like if you're going to preach a stadium crusade, uh, like Billy Graham would do, it's going to be about what happens to you when you die. Like, do you know Jesus as saving you from perishing so that you can have eternal life? And that is a hundred percent. Part of the gospel. It's part of the gospel. Things like healing, also a part of it. Let me unpack that for a few minutes. Um, you're in Luke 1, but I need to just warn you, there's a lot of scripture about to come at you. I have to turn to all of it. I just want to read to show you how much healing and shalom, that peace, that restoration of what was broken, how much that surfaces in the in the biblical narrative, and I had to just narrow it down honestly. So let me let me read through a couple of things, starting with the prophecies in the Old Testament about the first arrival of Christ. Isaiah nine six and seven. Listen to these scriptures with healing in mind. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I thought about just preaching out of that passage this morning because that covers so much shalom and healing. It talks about, it, it points toward healing with us in the Lord. It points toward us and healing with ourselves, healing with us and one another. It talks about healing the structures of our world, the governments of our world that so often let us down and lead to so much pain and difficulty. Um, it's, it covers everything. There's so much healing there. But the reason I didn't is because I was like, yeah, but that's just one passage. I don't want us to think that's like the point of one passage because there's, it's this like thread that runs throughout. So I'm going to move forward. Uh, still in Isaiah, his chapter 60, 1, 2, and 3, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Okay, This imagery of light entering into darkness and the sun rising uh, in, in the morning, um, all of this is bringing the, the hope of a new day that is coming, but it all points to shalom. It all points to the restoration of what has been broken. Light entering into darkness is, is shalom. It is bringing peace into our chaos. Micah chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, speaking of Jesus, it says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their shalom. He shall be their healer. All those things becoming synonymous within our thinking is very important. Dwelling in a secure way. Wouldn't it be nice to just live a secure life? Just to be, just to not have to like worry about anything ever? It's like, yeah, I, that's how you're created to live. We should, we should do that. Yeah. That's what they're waiting for, for the Messiah. Malachi, verse, uh, chapter 4, 1, 2, and 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, so there's some dark stuff in there, right? They're prophets. They're not, uh, they're always like the happiest of messengers. But in between like difficulty and difficulty, there's this, this thing about the sun of righteousness, S-U-N, rising with healing in its wings. And I was looking into that, you know, because we, 
We sing that Christmas song, risen with healing in his wings. It's like, okay, what is that? And a lot of your Old Testament people talks about the sun rising as like if the sun is, is in the sun's in the sky and the rays coming through the clouds, that they liken that to like a bird with like the like the wings. Meaning like the sunlight like covers the earth, the light that has come. Jesus talks about like gathering, uh, being gathered underneath the wings, uh, like a like a mama bird gathers her uh, baby birds uh, together. And but something I read that was also very interesting is that whenever you, uh, if you've seen pictures of like the the Western Wall in Jerusalem, where all the the Jewish faithful are there praying, a lot of times you'll see them praying with a prayer shawl, and so it's like a like a shawl. And they they uh, they take the corner one corner on each hand, and they like drape part of it over their forehead, so that and it's got scripture all around it, so that there's scripture touching their heads and touching their hands, and it's a there's so much to it. It's really beautiful. Um, but there are times there are times when they pray, and there are times when they put their arms out like that, and they like some will talk about like that being like uh like the wings. Of peace, and that's what they're praying for. They're praying for the sun to rise with healing in his wings, and they have their arms out like a bird, and that 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 is what is meant there is like the like the prayers of Jesus, the prayers of the Messiah, being where healing is found. That the Messiah has come to intercede for us, and so there's a lot of like healing in in the wings, like imagery that's tied up in there. A lot of it is rooted here. So those are all. There's just a couple of Old Testament things there where a part of what they're waiting for is someone to come and bring the shalom back. The shalom between the Lord and between each other and all the brokenness that we see. There's someone to come and be the healer. Uh, now, in Luke chapter 1, which is where you guys are all patiently waiting, verse 76, this is Zechariah. He was John the Baptist's dad. and He starts off talking about John the Baptist, and then he starts talking about Jesus. It says, and you, child, speaking to John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. This is when the Jesus part comes in. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness. In the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Here's John the Baptist in the womb, and his dad is like speaking this prophecy, and yet can't help but be about Jesus being the healer, the restorer of shalom. Look in the next chapter, part of the birth narrative story, verse 13, chapter 2. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You could also say, and on earth, shalom. On earth, healing. That a part of the gospel proclamation is healing. If you turn over to chapter 4, this is where Jesus um, makes it known that he really is the one. 
Starting verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to... And just listen to how much healing is here. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If you are oppressed, you are in prison, you are blind, you are wounded. The restorer of your shalom is is here. He's in his hometown, he's at his home church. Uh, He walks in and he tells them, I'm the one. I'm the healer you've been waiting on. If you know the story keeps going, they try to throw him off a cliff. Don't know why they wouldn't welcome the message of a healer, but that's for another sermon. And one more, in Matthew 11, 2 through 5, says, Now when John, this is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. That's his self-description of like his ministry so far. Every one of those things is shalom. Every one of those things are wounds being healed. And when we think of the gospel, we need to think about healing as well. He says that good news is proclaimed. That wording in English, good news, is where we get gospel from. And so healing has to be a part of the gospel. The good news is that Jesus has come to heal everything that was broken. That's that's why the angels made a big deal about it to the shepherds. That's why heaven erupted the way that it did. Is that finally, the sons and daughters of God don't have to walk around wounded anymore. And that's all just with the first coming of Christ. What about the second coming? Great question. I have some answers for you. Turn to Revelation 21 and 22. Because if you know me and it's Advent, we're going to read those verses. Let me, let me ramp up to it a little bit. Because the second Advent will bring about the final solidification of healing. So the first Advent of Christ in Bethlehem... Um, Set the healing into motion. The second coming of Christ will finalize the healing. Uh, Here's what I mean. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Okay, so speaking of the of uh, all this, um, 
I said this last week, that what happened to Christ will happen to us. Jesus died. His body went into the ground. His soul spirit went to be with the Lord. Um, and when he was resurrected, his soul and spirit and physical body were reunited. But it was a recreated physical body. It wasn't the same. He didn't come out of the tomb like beaten to a pulp. He was healed. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that uh, when our citizenship in heaven is finalized, like when our when when everything when Christ returns and everything happens will happen, um, we will have this a body like His body. We will have a glorified physical existence the way that Jesus does. Uh, he didn't walk out with His bruises and wounds, and neither will we. That's what He's saying. Our healing will be completed permanently. In other words. In 1 Corinthians 15, he, he uses like imagery of, of like a, what we would, in South Louisiana, we would think in terms of like an acorn, right? Like I have an oak tree in my house and there's a billion acorns in my yard if anybody's looking for some. Uh, and uh, those acorns die, fall off the tree. Theoretically, they get buried in the ground and then they turn into another acorn, right? No. They become an oak tree. What dies and goes into the ground does not get resurrected in the same way that it was. And so Paul is like using that same imagery that we're sown into the ground, the seed that goes into the ground, the body that is buried does not come to life in the same way. He's trying to like help help understand that. First Corinthians fifteen, like in verse forty two. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. What he is saying is, when, when, when we are raised from the dead, we will be permanently new. It'll still be you. You'll probably, probably look like you, but maybe, maybe not. Don't we, there's so much mystery to it. You'll, but you'll be you. But you'll be the you that you were always supposed to be. You know? Like, before sin broke you, before life like, wounded you, before we need a Kleenex, no Kleenex in the new earth, right? Like the you that was in Eden, that'll be you forever. That's what he's saying. A few verses later, he says it this way, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Meaning that some are going to be alive when Jesus comes back, and some are going to be dead. That's what he means by sleep. But it doesn't matter if you're awake or asleep when he returns. We're all, we're all going to be changed. We're all going to be different. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the last trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Um, you and I will not be resurrected on that day uh, and go in reverse. We're only going forward. And the healing that's coming our way will be completed. That's, that's the point. And then you're in Revelation 21. Here's the, here's the outworking of that. Here is the like forever, some of the like, descriptions of what it will be like. And I've read all this in the last few weeks, but let me read it in the context of healing now. Revelation 21, starting verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Let me stop right there. When it says the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, that's like every bit of pain and garbage that we experience here. Every source of woundedness will be put away with permanently, is what he's saying. That there's a, even the, even the earth that is under the curse of sin will be like recreated to where there won't be tornadoes, hurricanes, or earthquakes, or forest fires, or anything. So not only do we get to emerge as the oak tree, uh, the earth also gets to be renewed. Like the earth doesn't have to like do what it does anymore. The earth just gets to be that glorious, shining creation it was always supposed to be. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with, with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Okay? In other words, like healing will just be the norm. Like our, you won't be healed for a little while until you're until the next wounding. It's it's all done away with. It's there's this permanent new reality. Chapter twenty two, starting verse one. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. With twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. I mean, that's that's where we that's where we're headed. You know. The healing thread in the first coming of Christ and in the second coming of Christ is remarkable. And the good news is that Jesus has come to heal our wounds. And something we have to keep in mind is that that is uh, that is part of the gospel. Yes, being saved from our sins 
Jesus dying on the cross in our place. Everything, everything about that is the gospel. Healing is also part of the gospel. It's not just about getting you into heaven when you die or avoiding hell when you die. It's about the reality that we live in now. We need to think of it this way. With the first coming of Christ, Jesus brought healing. With the second coming of Christ, Jesus will bring healing. In between the first coming and the second coming of Christ, Jesus brings healing. We're, we are healed, we're being healed, and we will be healed. All those are true at once. It's, it's not an either-or thing. It's not a light switch. Like it's, it's all of that stuff at one time. Jesus, the first time, he came and he, he healed what had to be healed in order for the other healings to launch. He came and he took our sins and our sorrows. By his stripes we are healed, says in Isaiah 53. Like he... He brought about that healing by restoring our relationship with God and invites us into that. And that invitation goes across to all of us who are here, all of us on live stream, anyone who watches this, that invitation into that initial life is that he's like, hey, you, this needs to be healed first. Your sins need to be like forgiven. The blood of Christ needs to be applied to your life. And once that healing happens and God's relationship with you is restored and your relationship to him is restored but we're we we don't really know what to do with that because forgiveness is uh it doesn't make sense to us because grace seems unfair and so he's like let's restore the relationship with the first coming and by faith we believe in that and if you do not believe in that today can be the day for you then you begin a life of walking with him and that healing begins to kind of permeate its way through. It begins to like, like seep its way into other parts of your life. And that's where we learn to, to walk in healing and how we look at ourselves. We learn about our identity in Christ and how God created us and looks at us and has restored us and brought us from being sinners to being saints. And, and that, that healing about how you look at yourself, like that's a part of the journey that healing works its way through. Our healing with one another, it's how we, we learn how to walk in forgiveness with those who have hurt us. And we learn to seek forgiveness for those we have hurt. And we don't forgive and forget, we, because you don't ever really forget. It's, it's God, the healing, teaching, he teaches us how to live knowing everything that happened in between us and other people. And yet that we stop holding it against one another. That's what forgiveness is. And that's how those relationships are healed. And sometimes that healing, especially in like the deeper, like, like the, those deep traumatic wounds, um, he, he knows how to walk you through that kind of healing too. Some relational healing is really quick and some of it is really, really, really slow. We walk through all the different kinds of, of healing that we need to happen. We, we go through phys- times of physical healing. There are times when that is definitely happening. We, we learn to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, like the, that, like healing works through our, our minds as God teaches us how to think correctly about him, him and us and life. And that grabs onto our emotions and they begin to play their proper role. And from the moment you say yes to the Lord all the way until either he returns or calls you home, that's, this is a healing journey. 
And there's so much that gets healed along the way. But there are some things that just won't be healed until he comes back. Like our physical brokenness, sometimes we'll have victory and sometimes we'll have defeat. But ultimately, like we will die. Unless we're living when he comes back. There are some things, some wounds that are just going to take the second coming before they're complete. But they will be healed. There's no, there's no question about that. It will, it will happen. And so for us, as we're thinking about the good news of great joy for all the people that's proclaimed on that hillside, as we get closer to Christmas and we sing those songs and we think about the good news, it's not, it's not only that Jesus came to die. Like People say that. Like this baby was born to die. Now he was also born to live. And then he died. And then he lives again. Like, you know, like death, death is in there, but it's not just his life. I mean, it's not just his death, it's also his life and the current life that he lives showing us that you too can be healed. And so as we think about the gospel working its way through our lives in that way, bringing shalom, bringing peace where there used to be chaos and brokenness, that that is encompassing more of the gospel story than just Jesus came to make sure you don't go to hell. And to me, that's, I mean, it, it, he could have just come to save us from hell, right? But for him to come and initiate healing and to walk us through that over the course of our lives and to guarantee the permanence of that uh, on the day of resurrection, then what? I mean, it just keeps getting better. He just keeps getting better. I don't know how it's possible, but maybe just the older we get, uh, all of us, and the more we learn, the more we walk with him, there's just a richness that has no end. Which is probably why in Isaiah he says that like his kingdom will not have an end. So we find ourselves having to really bring our our woundedness into this equation, into this story to figure out, do I want to be healed? Do I want to be uh, do I want to like cooperate with Jesus in the healing work going like permeating through my life? And only you, only you know where the wounds are. Only you know where the, where the things are that you really need to invite him to speak to. And so I think the walk away this morning in many ways is like, do we see him as a healer? Like, do we see that as part of the rescue mission? Do we see that as part of what it means to be our savior? It's to not just like get us out of a bad situation, but to, to restore us and reconcile us and to, to bring shalom back to us. To make us whole and complete, just like we were created for. We can live in that now. So I would encourage you and invite you to hear his invitation through the scriptures, through the songs, and even through my words this morning. So let's stand together. So we spend a few minutes in response. I appreciate you giving a few more minutes this morning. Taking up the offering and really just soaking up this last Sunday together. These songs that we're about to sing, they're connected to all of this. And I believe that the lyrics are really important uh, every week but and in every song. But this morning, I think it ties in really beautifully. So let me pray for us. And we'll respond in song and in prayer this morning.
Father, I thank you for for your care to us. That you really do care about the things that have hurt us and wounded us. And there's so many that that think about the gospel in the sense that like that God the Father is angry at our sin and has us in the crosshairs, and then Jesus comes in and dives in front of the bullet, you know. Jesus is there to like convince dad not to just do away with us. Instead of realizing that you, Father, in cooperation with the Son and the Spirit, came up with this plan to so beautifully sacrifice so much between the three of you to work as one God to come and to not only rescue from us perishing, um, but also to heal and to restore, to bring us back into relationship with you and with ourselves and with each other and even with creation. But the healing that uh, is part of the gospel is for all of us who say yes to you. So we thank you for the holistic way that the gospel speaks to our lives. And ask that as we sing in these closing moments that you would help us to, uh, to really make sure that we're, we're on board with that, you know, that we're asking you to speak to the wounds that we still carry and walk in. We see you as our healer and we invite you in to do what you do. So as we sing, would you have your way among us as we uh, close our service this morning?